Up next to join us is David Paratori. He is uh, President and Chief Executive Officer of NanoSteel. And I kind of joked about this. Uh, there's a, and they're headquartered in Rhode Island. And I said, there's a steel plant in the middle of Rhode Island somewhere? Well, not quite. Um, their company specializes in the design and commercialization of new formable advanced high strength steel sheets for vehicle lightweighting and um, new steel uh, powders used in 3D printing. And, you know, if anyone's ever seen a car printed in 3D, it's actually pretty fascinating to watch. And um, so I'd like to invite David up. Okay, so it's actually great to follow both Charlie and Jody because they've pretty much answered most of the questions that you could possibly come up with. So uh, I'm going to take a different tact, and I'm going to dig a little deeper into what it's like to be the material designers, the guys who have to come up with these alloys, versus the guys who are in, and the men and women have to figure out how to use them. Right? So it's uh, somewhat iterative, but we're going to walk through this process. It starts with this. Nothing's easy. Right? And you've all played whack-a-mole at the carnival, right? And something happens, and then another one pops up, and you hit it, and another one pops up. This is the way it is. Designing materials, figuring out how to design cars, making cars work, it's not easy work. Your jobs are not easy. So it's no different for us. And in fact, sometimes it's by your own doing, right? Sometimes you're stupid enough to hit a wall, and you don't even realize you're doing it. Right? We do the same thing. And sometimes, no matter how good you are, you can't predict what someone else is going to do to you. And so the world we live in in material design is like this. The world we live in in automotive design is like this. Sometimes you can control it, sometimes you can't, but you have to do this following. Put your head down and do a good job. Just keep on pushing. And that's what you see in automotive design. You see iterative processes of continually making things better, and it's not easy work. Okay, so that being said, let's talk about what NanoSteel does. NanoSteel designs alloys, that's all we do. We design steel alloys. We're pretty comfortable in saying there aren't a lot of companies in the world that do what we do exclusively. We don't make alloys, we just design them. We're based in Providence. Most of our research is done in Idaho Falls. We focus on two areas. One, almost predominantly, or the large share of what we do, is automotive sheet steels for lightweighting. That's the vast majority of what we do. The other side is only recently, the last two or three years. We focus on developing powders for metal 3D printing. Why? Because as you all know, additive manufacturing or 3D printing is very important, but it's very limited by the materials that are available. And so today I'm going to talk about sheet steel, but know that bringing low-cost steels to 3D printing is literally going to change the world. As an ex-manufacturing guy, I used to build jet engines in Connecticut, it, 3D printing is an amazing infrastructure. Let's focus on sheet steel for cars. Very similar to Charlie, what you presented today. Four basic categories if you're gonna look at lightweight, if you're gonna look at trying to improve efficiencies. And I completely agree with both Charlie and Jody. It's way beyond efficiencies. It's, it's driver, it's rider performance, driver performance, automotive performance, such a difference in cars. But there's four categories we can kind of look at. One is you can reduce rolling friction, but cars have to stop. So there's a limit to what you can do in that. You can't put them on ice skates, right? The second is aerodynamics. Things are getting tighter and tighter there in terms of the return for investment dollars in terms of aerodynamics. Drivetrain, that's the big bucket everyone talks about. Diesel engines, 10-speed gearboxes, hybrid vehicles, electric vehicles. That's a lot of the focus. But in the end, if you just make cars lighter, you get a benefit across most of these. Just make them lighter. The problem is you can't make them smaller. Right? We can find a way to make them lighter real easy. Just make them smaller. But no one wants a smaller car. Just go out in the parking lot. You can see that. 
And so that being said, when you try to figure out how to make them lighter and you look at the materials you have available, there's a lot of questions you have to answer as a designer. Right? It's not just what's the material cost. It's all the other things you may not think about as someone who uses that material. Do I have to change my infrastructure? Right? Do I need new machines to actually stamp the parts? Can I join the material? Charlie talked about that. Advancements in joining technology are incredibly important as new materials come online. Do I have to retrain my workforce? I'd rather not. If I can just have these guys do the same work they did yesterday, life's a lot easier. Availability globally. That's one that a lot of people don't think about, but in the automotive world, most platforms are going global, meaning it's too expensive to design a car for each region. So let's design a basic part of that car, the majority of the car, and use it across the globe. The problem then is I have to have materials that are available across the globe. Most industries, steel being one of them, are very regionally based. A steel you have today in North America may not be available in South Korea. So that's a real challenge for global design. And the last one is even if you get all that right and you can have a beautiful car coming out of the, the, uh, the production facility, you've got to be able to repair it, which is what Jody talked to. So all those things come into play when you're looking at figuring out what material am I going to use. And so if you start with a very big picture and say, there's an infinite possibility list of materials that are available to me. And you start there and say, okay, but the first question is, do they have the right performance? Can I make parts out of them, make complex shapes out of them? Can they be joined or welded? Can it handle uh, die punching and making holes? Right? All those questions take that infinite amount of materials and they shrink it down. And then you go to the next step and say, is it easy for me to even use? Or is it too hard for me to use? There are a lot of good materials that are designed that never make it into production. Why? Because they're just not easy. And that's the easy to use side. There's also the easy to make side. If we were designing steels, and we can, we can design wonderful steels, but you could never produce them in the existing equipment. And a steel plant costs two to four billion dollars. No one's gonna change their plants because one new greatest steel came out. The steel industry is an amazing industry. Trillion dollar industry, quietly going about its business every day. No one gives it a second thought. But it's a massive industry and it doesn't change on a dime. And so you start looking at all that and let's say you come up with an alloy or a material. It doesn't even have to be, by the way, steel. This is really uh, agnostic as to what type of material. As an ex-aerospace guy, I can tell you, nickel, titanium, cobalt chromes, I loved them all, right? Now I happen to be in steel. That being said, they all have to answer the same questions and ultimately it comes down to the painful one. Even if you get through all those hurdles, is it cheap enough for me to use? It's going to be a long time before you see a Honda Civic made of all aluminum. You just can't afford it. No one's going to pay for it. And so you have to add all that stuff into the mix. So what happens ultimately is there's very few real options to choose from. There's composites, yes. Aluminums, yes. Steels, yes. But when you take them and figure out what the best ones are, the list gets short. Okay. So what's required is innovation. It's fundamental to making progress. But the interesting part is most people think of innovation as that, revolutionary, disruptive innovation. Clayton, Christensen, I'm sure you've all heard of him, right? And drastic, significant change. That works in a lot of places, but what works more often is evolutionary innovation. Gradual, iterative, incremental. It's still innovation. It takes a lot of time and effort. The advantage of that type of innovation is it's easier to adopt. 
So everything has a trade-off. You can go for the big home run, or you can go for incremental improvements. So here's a good example. Clearly revolutionary. Going from horses to cars changed the world. Evolutionary. Well, one car, the Model T, now you have cars for every different application you want to use. Now, there are designers that will tell you that is not evolutionary. Right? Of course. Everyone's proud of their baby. Right? That being said, it is iterative from where it started. It's not like going from horse to car. So where does nanosteel fit in that? You can tell where I'm leading. Nanosteel had to be evolutionary in its innovation, because otherwise it would have been too difficult to adopt. But when we look at innovation, we say there's the product side of it, right? the science, the technology, and there's also the business model. It's not just about the product. So let me talk about that. First, let me answer this. Why? Why would you care? This is why. This is what steel use in a car looks like, or metal in general. What it shows is the amount of metal in a car is definitely going down. Has to if a car is going to get lighter. It's that simple. The mix of which materials to use changes. And it changes. The bottom three colors are different types of steel that Jody talked about. Mild steel, high-strength steel. Green is advanced high-strength steel. The top two are aluminum, aluminum castings, aluminum sheet. The green is advanced high-strength steel. It is forecasted to more than double in the next 10 years. It has to if cars are going to get lighter. It's 40 billion in a market today, just the green. So it is a massive industry. It needs improvement. It needs options. That's why people are focused on it. What do we do? Innovation. Pretty simple. All we do is make steels that have a microstructure that's nano-sized, hence the name nanosteel. Nano-crystalline microstructure. It looks and tastes and smells just like regular steel. I don't advise eating it, but it does actually taste just like regular steel. Right? That being said, if you looked at it under a microscope, you would see a structure that doesn't look like any other steel. That's what's unique. And it translated into a lot of intellectual property, 350 patents worldwide. We've been doing this for a long time. But the model was just, just as important. We can't sit as a little 27-person company in Providence, Rhode Island, between the steel companies of the world and the auto companies of the world. Why? We're just not big enough. Right? And so the reality is this, is what we feel like every day. Right? The steel companies, are, they feel threatened by us. And to some extent, they should if they don't work with us. So what we do, we design a model that says, it's not painful for you as a steel company to actually work with us. We're going to give you a license royalty-free. You're not going to pay one dime to work with us. And our engineers and our material scientists will help you figure out how to make our steel. What's the other side of the problem? OEMs. Well, they're not small either. And so they don't even realize they're squishing us. So they go about their life, and we're just trying to make it work. The way to make it work there is the other side. That's where the royalty comes in. So our model, our business model, is not we're going to sell steel. It's we just take a royalty. That's not complicated, from the people that are actually using the advantage, the auto OEMs. We have people signed up for this. GM is one of them. GM is one of our largest investors, along with Lear Corporation, who you may know. The idea here is pretty simple. Give the auto steel makers no reason not to work with you, no reason to challenge intellectual property, no reason not to make your steels, but give the auto OEMs the opportunity to have something that can help them in their product design 
and they pay a little more for it. Without question, we're not cheaper than the other steels that are out there. So that's the basic idea. What's the other piece? Global availability. Getting out of the regional structure of steel. So what we do is license steel companies across the globe. Currently in discussions with Europe. Already have licensees in North America. Currently in discussions, actually trials in Japan. Avoided China like the plague. Just practically speaking. So, but ultimately we will be in China. We'll be in South Korea. The idea is if you're designing a car and you have a global platform, you can get that same greatest steel everywhere. So where are we in this whole process? This did not start yesterday, right? It was actually funded by the Department of Energy for five or six years before nanosteel was even founded. With the basic principle of nanostructured steels are going to be something different. No one really knows what. That was the idea. And we started in 02. We started with coatings. We licensed that coatings to Lear, I mean to Lincoln Electric. We started focusing on R&D. That's when GM got involved. Right? We had our breakthroughs in terms of full production scale. We designed an alloy. We actually delivered our first steel uh, last year, May of last year. And then we delivered our second steel, second version in January of this year. Same alloy, very different property sets. Ultimately, it comes down to a design win. So if you'd wonder where nano still is, is it in a car yet? No, it's not. We're at that phase right now of, of customer qualification, getting people comfortable with using our steel. Produced by our partners, in this case, AK Steel, in production scale and production volume, not out of a lab, and in trials. That's it. My little plug for steel. Stick with steel. <laughs> Thank you, Dave.